Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Stand with me if you would. I feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. If you'd open up your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to read verses 4 through 6. I appreciate you being here. Uh, One of the reasons why we stand is I just really love being able to pray together as we're standing and read Scripture. Amen? So I think it's very healthy for us. Ezekiel, the prophet and the priest here, chapter 37, verse 4 through 6. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, You shall live. That's what we're going to be talking about. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Holy Spirit, that we already feel in this room. Enlighten our hearts today, we pray. God, speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and let your neighbor know you're excited. They're here. Thank you so much how you're streaming. We appreciate you so much. Here we catch up with the prophet Ezekiel, and we see that God is taking him in a vision. It says in the first part of verse 37, or chapter 37, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and revealing some things to him. And what he's seeing is a valley of dry bones here. And God begins to speak to him about what what he wants to do. He sees the bones, and we'll get to that here in a second, but he's talking to the children of Israel. He's helping Ezekiel understand some things here, that you shall live. And my heart is simple. No matter what circumstance you're going through, no matter what you face, we can live through it. Amen? Now, what I mean by that is we can have life as we walk through it. I know that there are no promises, but I know that we can be staring circumstances and situations in the face, and they just seem impossible. And I know that you guys have faced some of that. God, I just don't know what to do. But how, do you know, how many of us know that we can live? Amen. And we shall live. An illustration of a boy about hope says this, hope is wishing for something you know ain't going to happen. Maybe we can update that a little bit. Hope is something that we stare into when it seems impossible. And we know the only thing that can help us is our faith in God. Now, as we look at this and we see that you shall live, we see this theme throughout Psalms 118, or Psalms 118. Verses 5 through 8 helps us understand that even when impossible circumstances to the believer is faced. Now, if you don't have Jesus, you're in a whole heap of trouble. Amen? But we as believers, as we look into impossible circumstances, the believer can proclaim this, that the Lord is on my side. That no matter what we're staring into, the storm that we're staring into, the thing that has us, that we may feel captive by, we can say that the Lord is on my side. And further down, Psalms 118, verse 17, it says, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. We're not just to live, but we're to recount the things that the Lord has done in our life. Amen. We look back and we say, look what God is doing. John chapter 14, verse 19, as John pens the word of our Lord and Savior, ye a little while and the world will not see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. 
because he lives we live amen and we shall live here on earth as we walk through it let the lord enlighten us that we don't just have breath and take up a little three-foot plot amen but the spirit of the living god is inside of us and we live in the years that we live in amen and we make it count for eternity we make it count for our lord and savior and we all face hopelessness, and we can face that from time to time. Hopelessness is very, very difficult. And here he looks at this valley in this vision, if you will. And he says, listen, these bones are dead and dry, and they have no life to them. It's a hopeless situation, but God. See, see God is showing whenever you have me on your side, things can change circumstances change situations change and even in the midst of those hard situations in the midst of them hard circumstances God can put a joy so deep inside of you no man no circumstance no situation can rob it amen, amen. but we know that he must be on our side but we all face hopelessness from time to time and that's what I want to redo that's what I want to do this morning it just help us fan that flame and rekindle it if we need to this morning that God is on our side and he's going to take us through it when I was a young boy, I say young, in my teens, we were building a cow lot at my house where my parents live now. It was one of those cold days, colder than today. And we were out on a Saturday, and of course, we were welding sucker rod together to, to oil-filled pipe and some of that type of stuff and making this little corral. And I remember telling my dad, I said, Dad, we're cold. We need some heat. We need some heat out here. And you know what my dad would say, what most of you guys would say, well, if you'd work a little bit harder, you wouldn't need a heater, would you? I'm like, well, I need some heat, okay? <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyways, so my dad said, fine, we're going to make a heater. So he took some diesel and poured it in a bucket. And took a rag and lit it on fire and put it in that diesel. And guess what? We had a fire for the rest of the day. I tell you what, once your diesel starts burning, some of you guys don't know nothing I'm talking about, do you? You're like, what in the world? I'm telling you, be safe about it. But we're out, in the, and he lit that. And I just remember that fire just lit all day and kept us warm and burned that diesel, and it was great. It didn't smell very good, but it was warm. I didn't care. Well, that's what we're hoping to do today is that that flame would just continue to burn, warm the inside of us as we know that that hope is restored, that no matter what we're going through, no matter what we even see on the horizon, that God is with us. Now, what are some things in our life that cause us to lose hope? What are some things in our life that cause us to look at a situation and say, you know what, my faith is not where it once was, and we can all be there, amen? things in the world cares of the life kind of crowd into our lives and start stealing our attention and stealing our focus and whenever that happens all of a sudden now we're looking at something we shouldn't be looking at right we're looking at the problems the situation the circumstances and not the one who can answer those problems those situations and those circumstances and it happens to us all here in Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 11 he helps Ezekiel understand as he gives him this vision then he says to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So what he's saying is, listen, all these bones represent the children of Israel. They're dead, they're dry, they've, they've lost their hope. They're, they're, they're really not good for what I intended them to be good for. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost and we are indeed are cut off. So you see them in a situation that nobody wants to be in. However, many of us can find ourselves in that situation where we look up and we're going against something that just seems impossible, seems something that's just too difficult for us to handle. And we say, okay, God, what do we have to do? What are some things that rob our heart or rob our hope? As we look in this, one of the things that I see is he's making a statement here. He's saying, listen, the children of Israel, Israel is in a very dry place spiritually. They don't have the same hope in their God as they used to. Now, as he's writing this, they are writing to some exiles of Babylon. 
Now, this is very important because Babylon, as they were exiles in it, it's not always like we think it, like they were tremendous taskmasters and, and told them what to do from sun up to sundown. No, many of the Jewish people could live in the Babylonian Empire, and it created some things that were good for them. It created some things that were easy on their life, and that's part of the reason why we, we really heed to the Scripture that says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. What that means is, woe to those who take it easy when things are going easy. Because how many of us know something's just around the corner and we better be making sure our armor is tight and that it fits because the devil will attack us again amen so here he's he's helping us understand some things that they're spiritually dry he said the same thing in the new testament as pharisees and scribes were walking past him or going past him one day christ says this he says see those white sepulchers on the hill that's the king james version see those white tombs up on the hill he said you guys are like those tombs you're painted up on the outside and everything looks good but inside you're dead man's bones and that's what he's helping us understand, that Israel was in a place that didn't seem like they were ever going to get out of it, and they were just spiritually dry. Why were they spiritually dry? Well, some reasons is because sometimes we leave our first love, don't we? It doesn't mean we abandon it, but we begin to wander away, and that fire that Christ ignited in us, for some reason, has kind of waned out a little bit, hadn't it? Okay, we start looking at the cares and the activities and the things, and, and they're all good, but they cannot take the place of our God. Our attention must go to our Savior. Sometimes our priorities, sometimes it's just little adjustments. We look at our priorities, write them down on a piece of paper. Sometimes your priorities are just simply out of whack. Something has come up, a crisis, and now it's stealing all of your attention and all of your energy. And you got to go, whoa, just because that's where it's at doesn't mean that becomes my priority. Devotion, right, prayer, these type of things that we know that keep us. Because in the New Testament, we know all the time that Christ constantly referred to himself, to the Holy Spirit, as the living water right as the living water so we don't want to become dry so it's the things that we know to do that getting close to Christ maybe a lack of love not a lack of love for our Savior many of us have that but sometimes we don't have the love that we need for our fellow man we look at people's situation and circumstance and we say yeah it's bad but mine well mine supersedes theirs and at times it may but whenever we look at our fellow man and we love our neighbor as our self and we do that, that ignites and rekindles that love for God in our life. The love of God is explained by this by one writer. It's like the Amazon River flowing downhill to water just one flower. Now, the Amazon River, we know how big it is. And if you've ever been saved, then you know how that feels. You're at the altar, and for the first time in your life, you feel the love of God all over you. Come on, do I got any witnesses in here? Now, and there's also other times where unfortunately we stray from God's word. We stray from something that he's told us to do. And we know we're in sin. We know we're in error. We know we're in a mistake. And we sit down in the pew. We go to our devotion time. We go to our prayer time. And we're expecting God just to lay the hammer down on us. And then all of a sudden we feel God's presence all over us and feel his love like we hadn't felt maybe in years. Because we understand the goodness of God. Whenever I was a young man, I, I went through a drought in my life spiritually, of just feeling the presence of God. And I don't mean you always have to get emotional and things like that, but you know, I'm telling you, you know the presence of God when you experience it. And I went through a time where it didn't matter if I raised my hands during worship, if I read my Bible, if I prayed, it just felt like my heavens were brass. Has anybody ever been there? Like, it's just like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Where am I supposed to be? 
But I still continued to worship and I continued to do those things. And soon enough, what I began to feel is the love of God and his presence in my life. And it made me, whenever I got to that point again where I knew I felt the presence of God, I'm telling you, I was like, I never want to get out of this again. And what it does is it self-checks us. Because I look at a whole crowd of people, you love Christ. You want Christ best for you in your life and you want to do what he says. And he knows that. So sometimes those heavens will become brass. Sometimes those things will happen because he's trying to get our attention attention and say don't wander off that way because when you've tasted of the sweet sweet presence of God right you know when you're in it and when you're out of it when you have the direction of God but we have to stay in the love and the grace of God don't let fear take you out of that let love sweep over you continue to read and pray and do all those things don't get spiritually dry don't get crusted over no matter what you're facing say God I want to stay pliable I want to stay pliable. The second thing that we see that he's talking about is the lack of unity. Kingdoms, the kingdom was divided. People were divided. There was no unity in Israel. And there was a lack of vision. There was a lack of vision. Everybody was trying to serve themselves and do their own thing and chase their own God. And what it was doing is it was putting a damper on what God was trying to do. He looked at them to the extent and said, listen, you're a valley of dry bones. You're dead. You're dead. You're not doing what I've called you to do. And that lack of unity will do it. We have to fight for unity. We can't become so self-centered and so selfish that it's my way or the highway. Let me tell you, that parenting technique never works, does it? Yeah, a, a, a boss who has that mentality, that never works because a lot of people are going to go find a highway and find somewhere else they can go. We gotta, we gotta fight for unity and stay together and, and fight that and do it in kindness the best that we can. There was a hydroelectric dam being built in the valley of England and it was being built and as they looked down they saw this town and this town was immaculate. Man, they had taken care of lawns, they had taken care of buildings, they had done everything to, to just show their love for this town. They were really proud of what they had. The dam begins to go up, um, instructions begin to go out and all of a sudden they see that the town begins to decay buildings aren't being painted anymore homes aren't being taken care of and they asked a resident why and the resident replied this where there is no faith in the future there is no work in the present where there is no faith in the future there's no work in the present and that's what they were seeing they didn't have the spiritual they didn't have the spiritual side of God in their life so they didn't see the vision for where God was trying to take them and unity helps us work together for that common vision so we have to fight for unity we work in the present because we know what God is going to do so we want to be encouraged about what God is trying to do now those are just a couple things as we read in scripture that we can fight as you try to make decisions in your household as you try to make decisions maybe in your career or with the people that you work with make sure you have unity as spouses you walk together amen that's what you do you walk together as you make decisions you get in unity and say this is what we're going to do and let's both believe in it and you fight for unity and at the same time we pray and we do the things that we know will allow that holy spirit just to flow in our lives amen but we stay encouraged we stay encouraged and we get out of that place. Now, what I want to go on to really is three keys, and that's where I really want to spend the remaining of our time. Three keys as I look in this scripture of things that we have to do, that we can open ourselves up to so the Spirit of God can move in our life. So the Spirit of God, can, we can look at that situation, we can look at that circumstance and say, today you are not going to win. God is on my side. I shall live. 
Not only in the moment, but I will live in my life. And here we see this, uh, verse 3 of Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the first thing we have to listen for your question. Now, I want to say this. We want to listen for our question. God is asking you a question about your situation, about your circumstance. And I don't mean to point at you and say your question, but this is the thing. God will ask a question for you that's not directed to me because I'm not in the same situation that you are in. So God's question will be directed to you and we want to listen and we want to ask God, what are you saying? Because he will pose a question that he already knows the answer to. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 3. Son of man, can these bones live? God didn't need to ask Ezekiel that. He already knew the answers to it. But he's posing a question to Ezekiel to get him thinking about his situation, about the circumstance, about where they're at with Israel right now. Can these bones live? And God will do that for us. He'll ask us a question about our situation, about our circumstance. And this is not very different. We see the same pattern emerge. Matthew chapter 16, he's talking to the great apostle Peter. And he says this question, who do you say that I am? He already knows the answer. You're Christ, son of the living God. What was he doing with Peter? He was doing something very significant when he asked that question. He was leading Peter to the revelation that he already knew that he had. See, the revelation that's inside of you is sparked many times by a question that God asks us, but he already knows the answer to. Later on, John 21, he's on the shore of Galilee. They're cooking fish and eating bread, and, 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 and Peter's already denied him three times. What does he do? He looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I mean, to the point that Peter looks at him and says, you know all things. What was he doing? He was leading to him. Now, this time it wasn't revelation. This time it was restoration. He was leading. See, in, in our lives, God will lead us to the revelation that's already in our lives that we know who God is. We just have to remind ourselves. Has anybody else like me gone down the road and you're driving and you remind yourself that today God is on your side, that he is your savior, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Have anybody else that reminds yourself of that? Yeah, we remind ourselves of that, don't we? That's that revelation. But sometimes we need to be reminded of restoration. God will knock on the door and say, that's not the way you're supposed to go. And you've been over there too long. Now I want to restore you to where you need to be going. And he'll do that. Ezekiel here, what does he say in the rest of verse 30 and the rest of verse 3? Ezekiel looks back and says, only, and it says, only you, O Lord, God, know. Ezekiel was in the same situation. He knew that God knew the answer to the question. But we have those questions. It's okay because it's our human side. How many of you guys have ever said this? Can this relationship be saved? I've been in many, many marriage counseling sessions, and I'm glad for them because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And many of them, I know they start out very intense. I'm telling you, man, if you want to get in the midst of an intense thing, marriage is a great way to get there. Mm. For all of us, we all have from time to time. God, are you sure this is what I was supposed to do? It's too late. But we're in there, and I've, 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 I've canceled so many that walks in, and they're not, I'm here because I have to be here, or I don't want to be here, I've already made up my mind. And I ask myself that question, God, can you save this marriage? And the answer is yes, because it's but God. But God, you've got to move. If you work a miracle, how many of you guys have ever said this? Can this bill be paid? 
How many times have you looked at that and said, man, is there any way that I can pay this? You've been handling your money correctly. You've been doing stuff like you know, but man, it just seems to be a little bit short. And then you answer your own question and say, God, if you'll provide a way, I can pay the bill. How about this question? Can this person see the healing? God, can you heal this person emotionally? Can you heal this person physically? And then we answer, only by you, God. That's the only way. Or we'll say this, Maybe if you're a new Christian and you look back on your past and you know that God's trying to use you. Or maybe you're a Christian, you've kind of strayed and you've ever asked yourself this question, God, can you really use me despite all that I've done? And then we answer our own question and say yes because there's plenty of grace and plenty of mercy and Christ will give it to us. It's the same thing that we see Ezekiel struggling with and we see that it's a question that he asks and this is very important. He asks us the question so we'll point back to him. So we'll know that it's not within us, but it's within him. But what question is God asking you? What question is God telling you? Because he wants it pointed back to him, not within ourselves. Napoleon Bonaparte, one of the great generals, leaders of France, he was asked a question. He was asked this question. Napoleon, do you think that God is on France's side? Because he was a leader of France. Do you think God is on France's side? And this is what he said. He looked at him and he said, I think God is on the side of whichever team has bigger artillery. <laughs> Makes sense. Later on, he's dismissed exiled to the island of Helena. On that, he is believed to be reported to quote Thomas Kempis, one of the early church leaders. Later on, he's reported to quote this. This is Napoleon Bonaparte. Man purposes, but God disposes. He had come to an understanding about something, that we have purposes in our heart, but God is sovereign and he really controls everything. Who he wants in office, he'll, he'll let be there. Who he'll take out, he'll take out. This is how he found that out. Right after he made that statement of God's on the side with the largest artillery, his next battle was Waterloo. It was the battle of Waterloo where he lost. Not only did he lose his army, but he lost his country. He lost his empire he realized that maybe I don't have the control that I think I have. Maybe it's not as easy as I think because God's question will always point that back towards him. God's question will always point it back towards him that we don't look inside of ourselves to find it, that God really does control the affairs of men. Now, as we continue here, we see another thing in Scripture that's a very important key. We want to listen for your direction So listen, this is your question and your direction. God will direct you. Now, I cannot promise you a roadmap. How many of us love roadmaps, right? We we, we don't use roadmaps. We use Google Maps or whatever it is, right? But how many? Turn right in 300 feet and another 200 feet, you know? God doesn't work like that. He'll tell you to do something and you get to doing it. And whenever it's ready to turn, he'll say, turn ahead, 13 seconds. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do it now. That's what he'll say and he'll speak to us, but he will give us direction. Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 4 prophesied to these bones he gives Ezekiel specific instructions he says listen this is your direction I want you to prophesy to these bones now let's put ourselves in Ezekiel's situation even in the vision I'm going to talk to some dead dry bones I don't know how much sense that makes many times God's directions will seem kind of ridiculous because it's an act of faith It, it will seem wild and crazy But that's how God operates. If we go back to the Old Testament, things like this. If you'll step in the Jordan, I'll stop it from rushing and you can cross over the other side of that river. 
Are you serious? Oh, it's pretty going pretty fast and it's flooding. Yeah, just put your foot in it. It'll be all right. How about Moses? Okay, God, we're, we're up against the Red Sea and the people are chasing us, the uh, Egyptians. We need some help. Just stretch out your hand. What? Like, does that really work? You know? Like we see the movies, his wind is flapping in the air, in the air and it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know because I wasn't there. But I do know this, that God was faithful, but he asked him to do something crazy. And God will ask us in his directions to do something crazy in the New Testament. Think about this, the apostle Peter, right? He just walks up to him and says, follow me. Can you imagine him being on the shore holding his net? He's like, like right now, follow you? Like right now, right now? I got a boat in the water, you know, catching fish like right now or right now tomorrow. How many times have we asked God that? You mean right now tomorrow, right? This same time tomorrow after I had some time to think about it, you know, make sure I got some bills paid before I give. You know what I'm talking about. But he says, follow me and it's crazy stuff that he asks us to do. Say to this mountain and be thou removed and it'll be cast into the sea. That's crazy. Many times God asks us to do those things because he says, listen, it's faith in me, not faith in yourself. He'll give us that direction. Don't be scared. Don't look back and say, oh, I can't do it. No, you go forward and do what God has called you to do. You take that first step and you do it. Now, this is where we're, we're gonna end here. You have to choose your command, okay? You have to choose your command. This is very important. It's not my command, it's your command, and your command is not my command. So we have to choose our command collectively, but we have to choose your command. You have to choose your command. What did God tell you to do? And this is something that we all struggle in. It's hard, because God will give us direction, but we have to choose to take the command and say, I'm gonna go ahead and step out and walk forward. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And this is difficult. This is difficult. One of the reasons why it's so difficult is because sometimes we have such a hard time distinguishing the voice of God from other voices in our life. And we all struggle with this. If you're a new Christian, don't get disheartened. And I don't mean this rude. If you're an immature Christian, that means you've been a Christian for a while, but you're trying to grow and hear the voice of God. Don't get disheartened. The best way to really tune in to the voice of God, and even mature Christians can do this, is begin to silence some of that noise in those voices around us. Get around some people that you know have followed the voice of God. Get around some people that say, I give God all the glory from where, I, where I'm at right now, okay? And then you get around them and you look at some of the moves that they've made and you're thinking, those dudes are crazy. Like, you really did that? Like, no person in their right mind would do that. Exactly, because I wasn't obeying my voice, my mind, I was obeying the voice of God. And they've learned to distinguish the voice of God from all the other voices. And you get around them and you ask them. Now, we know things to do to help us out. We study, we pray. And listen, we, we, we say that sometimes like, oh, you study, you pray. Listen, go get on your knees and pray and fast and see what God won't do in your life. I'm telling you, it works. It works. Read the word of God. If you want to hear how to distinguish the voice of God from the word, open up the word of God and see how God acted. See how Christ acted because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? So how he handled that, we'll know that he's going to handle it in our lives as well. So we say, how do I distinguish the voice of God? How do I make sure that I hear the voice of God? Then other times, let's be honest, we just have problem taking commands. No amens. 
I know that's not truthful. <laughs> we have trouble taking commands. God will tell us to do something. And we're like, I don't know, man. You know, it seemed good. You know, it's, it's the old saying, you know, everybody volunteers for Saturday on Thursday. But whenever Saturday morning shows up, ain't nobody to be found, you know. Oh, God, I'm glad you're commanded me. Come Friday, here I come. Man, I'm just rolling in like a bulldozer. Then Friday is here, and you can't even roll out of bed. And it's a command that you know God has given you, and we all struggle. We struggle with those commands, but we have to remember that God chose us, we choose to follow him, and we're in the Lord's army. That means he is our general, he's our chief, he's the one the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, and what the Holy Spirit says we must try to do at all costs. We follow his command. Even if it's crazy, begin to prophesy. And it may look insignificant, that command that you begin, you begin, to, oh man, it just doesn't look like it's that important. You know, the olive tree is a very interesting thing to study. I was doing a little bit of study on it the other day. The, the olive tree is kind of like a gnarly tree, right? So it's kind of squatty and gnarled up. And it's really not like one of those trees like, I've got an olive tree in my front yard. Like nobody brags about it because of the way it looks. But it's interesting what it produces is sought after. Even the Athens, back whenever they would run their big races, men would lather themselves in olive oil before they went out as part of like a sacred thing. I don't know why you'd pour oil over your body. That's weird to me. But those guys did it. And then if you look at the olives, they're pressed for that olive oil, and it's been known to cleanse and been known to heal, and, and it's been known to anoint. I mean, what the olive tree produces is really sought after. And this is the interesting thing. You don't want to just go up to an olive tree and pick an olive and start eating it. It's not very good. There's a process that it has to go through to become salted, to become purified, to become edible, those type of things. The, in our, whenever God commands us, it's the same thing. Don't get too caught up on what it looks like. Get caught up on what the command produces. What the command produces is where I want to be because that'll be sought after. People will look into your life and say, okay, why, where you're at? And it's easy. I pray and obey. Paul Young Cho has one of the largest churches, if not the largest church in the world. And somebody asked him, they said, Pastor Paul, how in the world... How in the world did you get to where you're at? And his, his, his voice, he goes, simple, I pray and obey. And we're talking million plus followers. I pray and I obey. Don't get caught up in what it looks like. You pray, you receive the command and say, God, I know that what this command is gonna produce as I walk out in faith and I build it up, that I know that you can do it. And in those situations that seem overwhelming, in those situations where it seems like God cannot move and you cannot go any further, you remind yourself that I shall live. I will continue to walk. Verse, verse um, seven of chapter 37 says this, and as I prophesied. See, it's important that command becomes so important because we see here what Ezekiel said, as I prophesied. Notice, it's the breakthrough that's happening. It's the miracle God's moving. It, it, the bones begin to come together and the rattling happens and the sinew attaches to the bone and skin over the bones and crazy things happening. Can I tell you something? As you obey the command of your God, as you obey the command as the Holy Spirit speaks it to you, do not get scared of the rattling that will happen around you. God will begin to move on your half and begin to displace some things around you. 
And you're like, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. We feel things like this, like good things really start to happen. We think, man, I'm not worthy of this. Or how can I handle this blessing? How can I, listen, take a step back. You still do what God has told you to do. Whatever that command is, as he prophesied, that's when things begin to happen. So what God has commanded you to do, you do it. Now, many times that command will help us overcome something. So you, you lack self-esteem, you lack self-confidence, and it could be as easy as God saying, remind yourself that I'm your Savior. You remind yourself that I'm alive in you. Remind yourself that you can do all things through me. Well, that seems so small. Yeah, but God will point us back to what our struggles is. And he'll say, listen, you're struggling with this. Go do this. Do that command. And whenever we do it, as we're doing it, we'll begin to see things happen around us. But don't get nervous about the rattling. Don't get nervous about the things shifting around you because that's part of God's plan. That's part of what God is trying to do. Remember, these bones went into a what? An exceedingly great army. So what God is shifting, what God is moving, what God is doing is there to prepare to work on your behalf and build the kingdom of God. So God, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do. James says it like this, James chapter two, verses 20 through 22. But do what you know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. So what do we want to do? We want to go before God with perfect faith. And the way that we do that, although we're imperfect, is say, God, I believe you said to do this, so I'm going to go do it now. I will command, I will do what you've commanded me to do. No matter how ridiculous it sounds, no matter how crazy it sounds, no matter how hard it is, God, I'm going to do what you said to do. And we ultimately trust God. And we say, listen, I'm here, and we're going to see amazing things happen. This is where Ezekiel lands, Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 13 and 14. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Now, we also know that's talking prophetically. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. We see the Spirit of God speaking to Ezekiel after he has prophesied, after he's done these things. And what we're seeing is God totally revolutionize his life, that he's gonna bring the people back, that he is gonna let them be where they were spiritually dry, that they will hunger and thirst for the Spirit of God. Where they were disunified, he'll bring back unity to their land, to their home. But we learned that there's some things that they had to do And ultimately, as you find your question, as you find your direction, as you choose your command, you just ultimately have to trust God, don't you? There's two young girls, they were talking. This young girl said, I have 10 pennies to her friend. And her friend looks at her and says, that's great. Let me see them. So the young girl sticks out her hand and says, I have 10 pennies. Or her friend looks at her hand and says, there's only five pennies in your hand. That young lady looked at her friend and said, yeah, but my dad promised me when he gets home tonight, he's gonna give me five more. So what my father said, it's a done deal. He's, I've got 10 pennies. Simple story, but we understand. What God has said he's gonna do in your life, count it as done. 
but we got to have that faith in saying, God, I know that it's going to be there. I know that other people don't see it. I know that other people don't understand it. But this storm that I'm looking at, I'm going to live. I'm going to make it through it. I'm going to be better on the other side. There's going to be some things that you're going to reawaken in my life. There's going to be some things that you reawaken in my spirit. There might be some restoration that happens, but I know that you are on my side. And I choose to walk forward. Would you bow with me, please? Father, our hearts are bowed to you. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your grace, God. We thank you that we can look into the word of God and see things that we know will really revolutionize our life and our way of thinking. And as we peer into scripture and we see Ezekiel, God, we see the things that we must do, that you speak to us as a person that we're not a number, that you love us so much as we sang about this morning, that you gave your only son for us, God. And Spirit, you're within us and you speak to us and you lead us and you guide us. And I say thank you for that. Father, you ultimately know what we're facing. You know the situations that we're going through. And God, you speak to us as individuals. And as you speak to us about the question, God, as you give us the direction, let us choose the command and say, yes, we'll do that. No matter what it looks like, God, we will do what you ask us to do. Don't let us be burdened down by the weight of the things that entangle us. Don't be let us be burdened down by the things that can just weigh so heavy on our mind, God. But help us. Help us by your spirit. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand up all across the congregation. If you want special prayer, I wanna let you know we're gonna be down here after service and we want to let you know that we can do that. But this is what I'm gonna ask because I know this is kind of a rally cry. So if you feel comfortable, grab your neighbor's hand. We're gonna dismiss from our seats this morning right where we're at. Now, we don't know what the person is always going on the left or the right, do we? So I want you to look around. Find somebody to pray for there. Get their, get their, get their image in your mind, if you will. Because we don't know. We don't know what storm they're facing. We don't know what they're going through. But this morning, we want to be like Ezekiel for ourselves, and we're praying for our neighbor too. That God, as you speak to us, that we'll walk out and do. And we understand one thing, that we shall live. That in the moment that is difficult, in this moment that is hard, God, I can still live to the fullness with your grace, with your peace, with your mercy, with your expectation in my life that you are on my side, and we're going to get through this. Can I get an Amen. Let's bow and pray for one another. Father, thank you. God, we celebrate this morning as victorious soldiers, God, that's in your army, God, that you've given us direction. You're gonna ask us questions that remind us of your power and of your greatness. You're gonna give us that direction to step out on, Father, and let us choose that command and say, God, what you've called me to, what you've asked me to do, I'm gonna do it with a heart ablaze for you, and I'm not gonna look at the command as much as what the command produces because you will move on our behalf oh God what you did with Ezekiel is you you told him you would open up the graves and that your spirit would live with inside people and we're experiencing that now so we know that it's yes and amen and what you promised is true God so what you've spoken I pray that that resonates within our heart and we walk away knowing 
that our Father has promised us, so it's as good as done. So we walk away with our chin high, with our spirits full, knowing that you're on our side. And if you can be for us, who can be against us, God? You're on our side, so we can trust you. Father, as we've prayed for that individual on our left and on our right, you know the storm that they're facing. You know the storm that may be approaching their life, God. Give them the grace. Give them the wisdom. Give them what they need, God, to be able to make it on the other side. And in the midst of all of it, God, they can still say, I shall live. Because you're walking them through it and you're with them all the way. Father, as we go out this next week, let your light show so shine in us, God, and through us, by our deeds, by our faith, that we may draw more people unto the kingdom of God and their hearts, God, be changed and we see salvations. Help us be what you've called us to be. Let us be the church. We praise you and we thank you and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, can you say amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.